Hello, my name is Giancarlo and welcome to the Creative Gap Podcast. This show is meant to guide creatives, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, designers, artists. We are going to be talking about all things related to craft, passion, ownership, self-employment, physical, mental health, and a bunch of other things too. So hopefully you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Creative Gap Podcast, everyone. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen and support the podcast. It really means a lot to me. I hope to continue to bring on guests that inspire, educate, and share their experiences with us in hopes to make us all better in whatever field we are in. Today is no exception at all. I'm very excited to bring on today's guest. This amazing person is a complete powerhouse producer and first AD. I first got connected to her through her husband, who was a writer and director, who had brought me on to a short film about two years ago or so now. I have to say that she is one of the most organized, decisive, hardworking, detail-oriented, kind, and compassionate producers and first ADs I have ever had the pleasure of working with. She is also married to writer and director Dale Kim, who I have had the pleasure of having on this podcast before. Together, they run a production company called Xylograph Films. They are a complete package and provide such an amazing space for filmmakers when working on one of their productions. I am pleased to introduce my good friend, Melanie Sudin. Hello. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for hopping on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate this. I like to start off this show by just kind of getting a little background about who you are, where you come from. Um, so yeah, share a little bit about that. Yeah, so I went to undergrad for public relations because I needed something that was creative but also had structure to it, and I felt like public relations did that. But then I'm as I was going to undergrad, I met Dale, and he invited me on to his set and was like, do you want to help me make a film? And I was like, yes, say no more. Like, I just wanted to be part of it. It just sounded so intriguing. And so from there, I joined in as in front of the camera as an actor and behind the camera as a PA and then working my way up. Just honestly, I just did everything. It wasn't even like, it was like, where's the need and how can I fulfill that need? And I just stepped in and did what was needed. And then I found my place over time. I was like, okay, I like this. I don't really like this, but it was still good for me to know it and learn it. And then I just kind of shimmied into my role as a producer ad mm. did you you didn't have any background in film or commercials nothing like that you said public relations why why were you so eager to just jump into it like that yeah i am um, that's a good question maybe it was because i was like head over heels for this guy but also <laughs> <laughs> i think that i've always loved film it's actually been a way that my family and i have connected we will talk in film like text like we'll quote films and that's just how we connect as a family we'll send like memes of a film and i always found that like film like board games or things that you do with each other has just been a really good way to connect um with the people closest to me so when i joined it was it just made sense amazing um when you kind of went on that set for the first time with him what was your experience like what were some things that like stood out to you it was like oh this is amazing or like what were maybe some hurdles you also had to get over to because this is a whole new experience for you yeah um so I just remember I think what I loved was just how focused we all became it was like a whole new energy of just a purpose like you're coming on set and you have a purpose to fulfill and you're just so focused and I love that that creative like bringing everyone together and just creatively building something and I think I found that I was very like willing and determined to make something good when so I come from Buffalo New York and it snows a lot like a lot a lot and yeah. there was one day when we were filming and it was just a couple of us and Dale and I, I was acting in this one. And he's like, I just need this shot. We're on a train track. He's like, I need you to go down and pick something from the snow and, and like, look at it. And it's freezing cold. Our friends had ditched us. They're like, hey, listen, like, if you guys are good, we're going to go sit in the warm car and wait for you. <laughs> um, and Dale and I just stayed in the snow for another, like, 
30 to 45 minutes like getting this shot and I realized like despite the cold I was so passionate and so eager to like get this done and then I realized like wow like I will do anything to like make this work I think mm. that's when I, that was also an obstacle. That was also something that I was like, okay, I have to get through this. But I also realized that it was something that made me realize how much I loved film. Amazing. That's like, that's a really cool story. Um, so when you were kind of graduating college or, you know, you had your public, you have a degree in public relations. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did. What was that transition like? Did you do anything with public relations or did you just like fully commit to film? Like where, how did that happen for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually really close to each other. Like PR, you're talking to clients and you're trying to... So like in my last year of PR, I had a capstone class and I had to meet with these clients and ask them like, what is it that they want, that they're seeking and the image that they want to present. And it's very similar to commercial work. Like... Everything that I learned in PR, all the pitches that I created there, like, coincided with film in a way. Because at the end of the day, film, though it's creative, it's also a business, too. And I think that's where I, I took the two, like, creative and business, and it just, like, fit perfectly. I was like, okay, I like this. Like, I like putting the two together. Amazing. So you working with Dale after that first uh, uh, short film or whatever it was you guys were working on, did you kind of just work together from then on, on every single project? Um, And like, did you, how did you grow with Dale in the beginning stages? Like, were you, were you Mm -hmm. eager to want to be kind of like next to him as as like a producer thing? Um, Or were you willing to just kind of like, help in any any way possible like kind of talk to me through like the beginning Mm -hmm. stages with him um so for a while we've done a lot together since we've grown it's changed and he does his thing and I do my thing but we always like come together which is nice I think it started Dale's a pusher he's very good at like pushing people in a not so pushy way like you know what I'm talking about because you've yes, worked I do. with him. And yeah. it's, it's hard to explain that, but he's uh, kind of I think, I think what you're trying encouraging. To, I was going to say, he sees a potential in people, and I think he draws that out of you. If, that's, if, if yes. I'm reading you correctly, I think that's what you mean. Exactly, exactly. And he saw that, and he's like, you got to put in the work, but this is what I see in you. So, like this is the right direction and just kind of pushing me. And I was like, okay, like, let me try it out. But I, I wanted it to be my own. I didn't want to just take what he said and just take it at face value and be like, okay, like, I'm just going to do this because I'm being told to do it. Like I wanted to take it and make it mine. So I, I needed to find my own path. I needed to do my own research and, and I did that. And I think because we were making, so Dale and I, co-wrote a feature film and during that time I learned so much and that was where I decided okay I this these things need to get done and someone needs to do it and I want to do that so breaking down the script like like cutting it apart I I manually broke it down because I was like listen I want to save money I don't want to buy these things like and I also want to know my script in and out And now I do because like I printed out the script, I cut them apart. I put like colored paper behind it so that I would know, okay, where is this going to go within the day and how am I going to arrange it? Like I made a strip board basically. And, um, during that time was when I like fell into what I wanted to do. That was when I was like, okay, not only do I like it, but I think I'm pretty good at it and I can improve it. Like if I wasn't good at it, then I'd probably be like, okay, do I love it enough to learn more about it and get better at it? Or is it something that I will just kind of pass off to someone else who could do it better? But I found like ADing and producing was something that I enjoyed and was good at. 
Yeah, definitely really good at it. And your style is unique to you. And I think that's a testament potentially to the fact that you're from Buffalo without so much film around you and a lot of influence, maybe. I think you, did you have to find your self and your style? How did you, how did you find yourself and your style really? Like, did you have any mentors as producers or first ADs? Like, how did you learn how to do all of this? Mm -hmm. Because from working with you, your style is very you. And like, I haven't seen very many people work like how you do. Mm, that's a good question. I unfortunately haven't found someone that I could look up to. Um, I haven't found a mentor. And so it was me just doing this all by myself. So eventually I caved and I bought Studio Binder, which it was a good learning tool. That was something where I could put the script in and see, okay, what are the, what are the things I need? But it wasn't just, it wasn't all that film stuff that led me to who I am now as an AD or producer. It was also leadership. So I may not have found somebody who was doing what I did regarding producing and ADing, but I found someone who was a good leader. And this leader taught me how to lead people and how to be a good leader myself and what it means to lead a team and I think that that's where that comes in is like leadership and I took that to heart and I was like okay I want to be a good leader because as an AD and a producer you're setting the tone for people mm. like behind the stage like behind everything you're the one that's kind of you're guiding people into this space. And if it's not a positive one, if you're not pouring into other people ahead of time, when you get on set, that's going to show and it's going to reflect. And so like, I found that very important, like being a good leader. And so I think that's where that comes from. Yeah. What do you think are like some good attributes of a leader? Like, what do you, yeah. What do you think a good leader consists of? That's a good question. Um, so I'm looking down because there was, um, I was listening to a leadership podcast and there were just so many good notes. And so I was taking these notes. It was by Craig Rocher and it's about being transparent and honest. People would rather follow a leader who is real than one who is always right. And that's what mm. he said. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, like, you don't have to be right all the time. Like you, you can admit when you're wrong and being transparent. And I think being a leader is pouring into your people. It's servant. It's a servant heart. You're serving your people. And when you feel like you have this ego where you're better than people, then that's really an insecurity because you're not secure in your leadership. You think you have to demand your position. And I don't think that that's true. As a, as a good leader, you, people will want to follow you. They'll want to. Um, and no, I, think I think servant that's... leadership is huge. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, and I think that's a perfect segue to the fact that Coming to Buffalo for like the first couple of times when I met you guys and working on those projects, you guys built such a community up there in a place that didn't really have a big film scene. People always wanted to work with you guys, no matter what the project was. They just wanted to be around you guys. And the community that you guys built was phenomenal. And they, they supported you. They loved you. And it showed both ways. You loved them back. Like... How important was mm -hmm. building that community in Buffalo? And what was that process like? That's huge. It was major. Um, so, you know, Dale comes from a different culture. And and I think coming together, like, we wanted to build a team that respected me as a female maker, like, filmmaker, and him as a Korean filmmaker. People who... Like, I would rather work with someone who has a great heart and potential than someone who's so good at what they do, but just have such a poor attitude, like a hundred percent, because the person who has a good heart and potential, there's room for growth. 
and to build that relationship and that connection. And all of that is so important. Like it started because Dale and I needed to grow a team. There's only so much you can do by yourself. And so if we were always going to be doing things by ourselves, there's only, you know, you can only get so far. And so we wanted to grow our team and he had met Aaron, which is someone that we've continued to work with in Buffalo. And Dale saw something in him and just connected with him. We brought him over. We got to know, like, what is it that you want to do in film? Because some people say that they want to do something, but really they want to do something else. And so we wanted to get to the heart of it. What do you really want to do and how can we help you get there? Mm -hmm. And so that is where the servant leadership comes in. And when people see that, like, okay, they're investing in me and I'm investing in them, it's like a win-win relationship. Like... Not one person is giving more than the other, and, and maybe sometimes they are, but it's like that ebb and flow. It's a win-win. It's, you know, you're really pouring into somebody, and you mean it. You're not just pouring into them because you're trying to get something out of them. You're doing it because you really want to know who this person is. And so we did that with each of the people that were, like, team leaders, because those leaders are going to find other people to be part of this team. And so it's pouring into the leaders who are going to pour into their team and building that in them and showing them like by doing. Mm. So that's, that's where that came from. And seeing them now, like looking at what the, what they're doing on their own since you've left Buffalo and gone to LA, how does it make you feel knowing like that they've taken it like on their own now they've used what you, they've, they've learned from you guys and are progressing in their own career. Like, how does that make you guys feel? so good like honestly yeah. so awesome it's, <laughs> it's so nice to like look and see that they are still pursuing it and that it wasn't just something that was pushed on them or something that they just didn't know like they're still pursuing this and I think I have the great pleasure of knowing what an impact that I've made on them and what Dale has made on them because before we left and we were saying our goodbyes like they verbalized how we had made an impact in their life and the changes that we made in their life. And that's huge that I got to hear that. I got to hear what, what I did and how I impacted their lives, like outside of film mm. and in film. But that was, that was really neat. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see what they're doing from the time that I first met all of those people up there to where, what they're doing now. Um, it's really amazing and they're they're growing so much it's it's truly phenomenal oh my gosh yeah um <laughs> yeah but um i want to ask so maybe i'm wrong but coming to this country dale grew up doing like film like he didn't really maybe he didn't look to commercials too well was it you that maybe kind mm -hmm. of introduced him to the commercial world and like how did you kind of grow together to kind of start doing commercials and films also like together that actually that's a great question. It actually came to us. Mm. So when we moved back from, because we were living in South Korea together, we had moved back to Buffalo. And during that time, we lived with my sister and her husband and her children. They're like, you guys can live with us, which was we were so grateful for. And um, during that time, Dale was like, okay, well, we want to give back to you guys. Like, my brother-in-law was doing podcasts, he was doing inspirational videos, and Dale wanted to help him. And so Dale started making these videos with my brother-in-law, his name's Brodney. And together they just continued creating these really interesting, like, pieces. And so the church that we were going to saw one of these videos and they were like listen we love the video you made like we'd love to show it to everybody at church if you'd allow us and so we're like yeah sure like you can absolutely use it and so we were there and they were screening it for a couple weekends and one day someone came up to us and was like okay like he found us, he figured out who the filmmakers were, and he's like, I love what you guys did. Um, I have a son who has a non-for-profit organization, and I'd love for you guys to meet and talk about doing, like, a commercial. And his idea was very simple, but Dale was like, how about we make it into a story and tell his story? And that was what we did, and that was how we kind of transitioned into this commercial space. It became, like, 
we went into this commercial space, but it was more like a storytelling commercial. And since yeah. then, we've always used commercial, like the storytelling in commercials or anything that we do. So that is how we kind of got into it. So. That's that's something I've noticed within your company is the fact that any commercial that I've seen, there's always a story element no matter what. How do you think that that has made an impact on your business and reaching out to, uh, you know, different companies, different clients? Um, do you do you think that that is like a big reason that you guys kind of like are who you are now is because everything is based around story? I think so. It pulls to like the the empathy in people's hearts mm. and it is the relatability. I know that there are so many different ways you can make a commercial. You can make it fast, quick cuts, something that's attractive and appealing and juicy. And you can also make a story that pulls to the heartstrings. And I think that's where Dale and I kind of reside. That's just like, we know that that's our niche. That's how mm. we tell stories. Um, and it's fulfilling in a way, too, that we can use that in the commercial world. What is the difference between, as, as a producer for SAD, between commercials and films? What is what are a couple big differences for you as you're working in pre-production and even mm. production? Um, the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the money is different. <laughs> but... A lot of times I find commercials or even music videos happen a lot quicker. Like it's mm -hmm. very fast paced and it depends on who the DP and the director. I think my difference mostly comes from that end of things. Not so much like if it's a commercial or a film, even though there are distinct differences. I think I find more of the difference from who I'm working with as the director and the DP and how they work and having to reestablish like that connection and that bond with them and the trust so I think that's where my biggest difference comes from is more so who I'm working with not so much what I'm working with mm. and what does your relationship look like I mean I know because I've I've been a DP for you for a couple projects but like what does your relationship look like with um, DPs and director like how does the th how do the three of you guys kind of coordinate and what are some things that you guys talk about uh, for a project. Mm. Yeah. So you got to see me in the very early stages, like very yeah. early stages as I was like developing and growing. With you also saw team, me at my early so stages too. Yeah. It's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so as a producer, I think it's important. It depends on like who's bringing me on. Like, do they already have other producers, a director, a DP on? And so I think in the beginning, it's important for me to see how the dynamic is being played out in the beginning. Like, what are these relationships between these people? How are they connecting already? And where do I stand in that? And then what can I bring to the table? And I think in the beginning, so because I'm playing two different hats, like I play the producer hat and then I play the AD hat. And as a producer, I'm thinking, okay, how can I serve the story? What is it that I can bring to the writer and the director that they're looking for and can I provide it? Like, is the money going to stop us from doing that or is time going to stop us? And so usually it's money. Usually yeah. it's money that'll <laughs> stop us. So I try to just give them what they want. Like if, if it can be done within the budget, like I try to find and get what the director and the writer are looking for as an ED. I, and same with the, the, DP like I want to give I know in a lot of cases the DP will be like okay look at all these toys like look at what we can do with this lighting and all these things and in some cases it does serve the story and so I will push to get like the the lenses that serve the story the lighting that serves the story like everything that's going to serve the story that's what I'm thinking about unless money says no um, that's the only time I'm the bad guy and I'm like, listen, like, I'm just telling you very for like straightforward, like we just can't do it because money is not going to allow us to do it. Um, otherwise I want to like serve the director and the DP and all of these, you know, players, um, on set as an AD though, I, I'm just the timekeeper. I just let people know, okay, you either have this time or you don't have this time. Like 
Because it's not me who's the enemy, it's time. Time is the enemy, and we are fighting against time. And so I think sometimes people want to have, like, a common enemy. And I'm like, I am not the enemy. Like, I'll tell you who the enemy is. It's time. And so then it creates, like, a different dynamic. And I think that's where we all kind of agree. And we see, like, we're on the same team. Like, I want what's best for you and the story. And, yeah, I think that's where that comes from. Do you think it's difficult yeah. to balance being a producer and AD on the same project? And do you think that's something that you want to kind of pursue more is doing both? Or do you want to kind of maybe separate? I love it, honestly. Yeah. I think if I have, yeah, if I have more help on the producer's end, like when I have multiple producers or production coordinators, that's when I can really effectively do those two roles together. Um, because when I'm on set, I can't be running around like a producer would doing all these other things. Like I need to focus on being an AD at that moment. But I love producing an AD because there's so much that you bring to the set as a leader and in terms of like the team too and the dynamic. And so I, I love doing both. If I can do them both like continually as I continue to grow, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. That's awesome. Um, I kind of want to jump to the origins of Xylograph Films, your guys' production company. What what made you guys start that, and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why why did you guys start that together? I think we realized like we needed the legitimacy, like we needed if we were going to be representing ourselves in front of clients who wanted commercials, we needed to have something like a name, not just Melanie and Dale. Like it needed to be a company that was going before us because it's it creates this legitimacy and this trust and honesty that people will want to be part of that or they see, okay, this is under your your company's name and not just you guys. So I think that's why. And it separates our life from our work in a way. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any background in business, even your mindset, maybe like, oh, I want to be a business owner when I grow up or something like that? Like, it, it's not easy to start a business or own a business. How did you navigate that? No, I think we're still navigating it. Yeah, always. <laughs> like, there's so much to learn. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think we've had guidance. I think we had people in our lives who were telling us like, okay, if you're making a feature film, you should think about doing this, think about doing that, and keeping these entities separate in case something happens, the liability if you're on set. And I think it's that guidance from other people that have helped us make that decision. Mm. Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was just people kind of guiding us and us knowing and researching it. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's a never ending process. Um, always learning. I think, I think that's important to note though, is like the day that you are closed off to learning is the day that you're going to start failing, to be honest with you. I feel like you can't Mm. ever be closed off to learning something new, no matter how, you know, experienced you are, how much of an expert you are and whatever. Um, being a consistent learner is something that is really important to me. Um, I mean, I'm curious, how, does, how do you feel about that? Always being a, a consistent learner, no matter what you're doing, how much of an expert you are in that field. It's so important because then you also then don't have that attitude of like, I know everything mm-hmm. because people aren't going to want to go to you to learn because you're going to be like, well, this is the way it is. Like, you just have to listen to me because I know better than you. And I see that a lot in um, some leaders that they are just like, I've done this for so many years. Like, it just is what it is when, you know, it's all subjective. Like, film is, like, at the hands of the creator, the one who's creating it. And there's always, of course, in when you're making it, there are certain things that, okay, we can follow this. Like, someone has already paved the way. I don't have to create a new path to do this. I can follow what someone else has done and make it better. But, like, that's the thing is everyone has these unique ideas and different ways of learning and new things that they're learning that it's like you can incorporate that and learn even more to do a Mm -hmm. better job like there's so much more to to be learned and and not just in film but how like other things impact film like there's 
so much going on in the world and like your story, what you're putting out there is going to impact the viewer and what they see and how they feel about a certain thing. Like, you know, thinking about those things and then I don't know, it's just like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff that like when yeah. you think about it, it just all impacts the other and you just have to be so privy to it and like and learn not just about what you do but about everybody else so that you're aware of what everyone does so that you have a respect for that too. Absolutely. And speaking on like a new experience and learning something new, you guys wrote, produced a feature film, which is amazing. And it's really, really good. Um, this is Dale's first feature. This was your first feature. This is probably an experience that was crazy for you guys. Um, how did you navigate that? And, and I know you guys got it uh, sold, correct? And it's you, yeah. you could purchase it online. Like, what what did that process look like? Which is it's just amazing. So, oh my gosh, it was just a great learning experience. I know mm -hmm. that if I could have done it differently, I would have. Like knowing what I know now. But Dale and I wrote it. So Dale had the idea, and this is usually how we work. He has this idea because he has things he wants to say and he'll write it and then I'll look at it and I start write like rewriting it or I'll like we've gotten a system we've definitely gotten better with like co-writing and for this film it was like I'd go to work I'd come home and then we would read the script and by we I mean me like I'd be reading the script out loud and I'm like my throat like after a while it just like hurts you're like, I don't want to read this anymore. Can we just like read silently? But we just did it. We just wrote this script. And that was when we were in South Korea. Then we moved back home to Buffalo, my home. Um, and during that time was when we were just like, okay, like we need to get this done because no one else is going to give us this opportunity. Like we want to just do this and say that we did it. We've made short films before, like, let's let's see how we can, like, accomplish this. Um, we had someone that we trusted in, that guided us, that gave us good advice, wasn't even in film. He's actually a real estate agent, but he's a leader. He's a very good leader. Mm. And we learned from him. We learned, okay, like, how do we... There are certain things we needed to do, so we created an LLC for this feature film. And then we did it, like, honest, honest to goodness, like, just, like, run and gun, natural lighting, did it all ourselves. Like, it was Dale and I, and then just a couple, like, PAs, sound person. But, like, we had so much prep work that we did so that on the days of, it would be, like, done with excellence. Like, we wanted it done with excellence. And then, after all that, you know, we made the film. We wanted to submit it to film festivals, but then COVID hit. So we thought, okay, do we wait for COVID to dictate whether we get into festivals or not, or do we pivot and adapt? So we pivoted and we found uh, someone that we could connect with who helped us find distribution. And so I found distribution with Gravitas Ventures. Amazing. Well, um, what was that like when you had your meeting with Gravitas Ventures and they're like, we want your film? Like, what did that mean to you and Dale? It was cool. Well, it wasn't just them. We had a couple, actually. I think a total of five different distribution companies that were kind of giving us, like, okay, here's the deal. Like, this is what mm -hmm. we can offer you. And it came down to two. And we had to talk about it. Because we were like, okay, both of these companies are pretty good, but who do we want to go with? And we had to look at the bigger picture. We'd have like these meetings with John, who had helped mm -hmm. us. And essentially, we're like, okay, I guess it's like we wanted to go with Gravitas. It seemed like we, it just seemed right. And we didn't just take what they gave us. Like, it wasn't like they just gave us this and we're like, okay, like, let's sign off on it. Like, it's a win-win or no deal. So you look mm. at the contract. If you're not happy with things, you counter offer. And I think some filmmakers are afraid to do that. I think some filmmakers will take things and be like, okay, it's either this or nothing. And that's not the case. Like, 
You can always fight for what you want. And if they can't provide it, then it's a no deal. If they can provide it, then that's great. And I think people are too afraid to ask for what they want, but you'll never know the answer if you don't ask, if you don't push mm. for it. So don't be afraid to ask. That's great advice. That's really, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, from the time you guys started your first project together to the feature you guys did together, how do you think you guys have grown as a couple together and partner, business partners together as well as, you know, mm. director, producer? How, do, how have you grown through the years? That's such a good question. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, a lot of times people are like, it's so like you guys are so lucky because you both work in film. It must be so nice that you guys are doing this together. And it is. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. Like, honestly, sometimes it's a lot because you'll come home and there's no separation from work and life. Like, you could talk about it. And so over the years, we've just gotten good at communicating and telling the other person, hey, I'd like to talk about this or, hey, I need a break. Like, let's not talk about this for the rest of the night. And we respect that. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's why it works so well is because we listen to each other and we respect what the other has to say or that the other person doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> mm. um, but it's been nice. Like, I, I honestly enjoy working with my husband. I think that especially when we're on set, I can understand, okay, why he's doing something a certain way or if he feels a certain way, I can... I can say, okay, I think I know right now he's hungry. I think <laughs> like, something's going on or he's emotional or which, you know, you know, Dale, he doesn't really get emotional. He's a very even keel kind of guy, very mm -hmm. calm. But I can read past that and I can read like and understand where he's coming from. And I think that that is a benefit um, because of our marriage. And so it, it's been helpful. It's been nice. Amazing. Um, I kind of want to transition a little bit to the move from Buffalo to LA. And that is quite an experience that you guys went through. So uh, to preface, Dale got accepted into USC's uh, graduate program for film, which is phenomenal. And you went along with him on that journey, obviously, to LA. But the difference is Dale went to LA with a place to go to. He went to, he was going to school. He mm -hmm. had people that he was already connecting with, but you kind of were going in the unknown a little bit. You're going into dark waters mm -hmm. a little bit. Can you talk to me about, you know, the mentality that you had going to LA, knowing that you kind of had to start from scratch a little bit? It's scary. Yeah. It's uh, intimidating, but I know there are so many people that do it. And I just trusted Dale and honestly, like we prayed about it and sought counsel and talked to people that we admire and that we trust. And I love a good challenge. Like I love to push myself and it does feel like this is the right place to be. And it's proven that we've been here for a year now and I've met some good, really good people. And I think, to be honest, at first, so we took the this road trip from New York to California. And I think that really helped. It helped me see the landscape, helped me understand like our country a little bit more because it was also a little bit during the pandemic. So there were some states that had masks on and some that didn't. And then we got to California and it was like, okay, now he's got this school that he can just go to and meet these people. And where do I fit in? Like, mm -hmm. do I fit in with these people or do I find my own people? And it's honestly been like a bit of both. And you actually kind of helped me too in the beginning because right when we got there, you're like, I got a job for you. And I was like, <laughs> yes, whatever it is, whatever, <laughs> I'll do it. And it was great. And it was nice. Like, seeing you again and mm -hmm. and working with you and so that was nice so it's just mm -hmm. been slowly growing definitely how have you navigated that how did how have you started networking yourself because i feel like 
you're doing a lot more on your own now too. Like back in Buffalo is like mm-hmm. you and Dale together, Xylograph only, but I, I, maybe, maybe I'm interpreting wrong, but it seems like you're doing a lot on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I am definitely. Um, so how am I navigating that? Yeah. Like how are you networking with people? Like how, how are you meeting people out there? Like, what was that like? Um, there's always events out here. And mm. I, I knew a couple people, like I knew one or two people that moved out here in advance. And so I kind of connected with them and they knew of events and they're like, why don't you come to this? And so I was like, okay, like it was just like putting myself out there and being ready to tell people what I'm looking for and not being afraid to say what I'm looking for. Cause there's that saying like, closed mouths don't get fed or something yeah. like that. So if you don't speak about what you want, you're not going to get it. But there's also like, you don't want to just be like, Hey, I'm looking for this. Like, just so you know, I'm, this is what I do because then it like takes away from the relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this like healthy balance. Okay. Do I vibe with this person? Well, do they seem trustworthy and honest? And that has been like half the battle is finding people who are like genuine and honest Mm. and straightforward with what they mean like and maybe that's an east coast thing like east coasters will tell you straight up like this is what i mean like i'm not trying to beat around the bush like this is exactly what i'm trying to tell you they're just very honest and blunt and i appreciate that whereas here people are a little bit more like secretive about their (laughs) true yeah (laughs) so they're very like i don't know what it is i'm like no just tell me honestly like what you're thinking so that i can you know better determine where i need to stand or where i need to be so navigating that has been interesting as an Mm. east coaster yeah how has this year been for you is it kind of exactly what you hoped it would be is it better or is it yeah what, what has this year been for you I don't know. It's been, um, it's been a lot. I think like if you've ever watched Pinocchio, like the original Disney Mm -hmm. one, he like goes onto the island and time passes by, he turns into an ass. And (laughs) and sometimes I think (laughs) that California is this place that people kind of are aloof to the time. Like, Mm. time just passes by so quickly, and some people turn into asses um, over time. But I think what I'm trying to say with that is that it feels like time has passed so quickly. Like, I can hardly believe a whole year has passed by, and maybe it has to do with the seasons, that there's a lack of seasons, that it's always warm or rainy, Mm. which has been very rainy. Um But I think it just has to do with, like, feeling like time hasn't really gone past, but so much has happened in between that time. Um, I think it's good. I think overall, like, to answer your question, um, it was a good decision that we moved to California. I think I'm really glad that we're here and um, we're finding a place among the people and in this space, which I'm grateful for. Mm. What are some of the differences in the productions out there compared to, um, you know, East Coast or Buffalo? Because I've worked out in LA, I've worked mm. in East Coast, I've worked in every place is a little different types of people and the different types of sets there are. Like, what are some things that you've noticed that are different and you've had to kind of learn out there? Mm. Well, Buffalo is a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've worked in New York City a little bit in Rochester, but Buffalo itself is a lot more close knit and has a little bit smaller of a a lot a bit smaller of a film community compared to LA. And I think in LA, people stay in their lanes. And it's in most union productions. People will just stay in their lanes. They know what they want to do. But also like people know what they want to do. Mm. Like if they tell you they want to be a PD, that's because that's what they really want to do. If they tell you they want to be a gaffer, they genuinely really want to gaff. But in 
the East Coast or in Buffalo, people are a little bit more like, okay, I'll help you with this or I'll do this. Like they're a little bit more, like the lines are a little bit more blurred when it comes to their role. What do you think? Um, I, I agree with that. I think it's a little bit, maybe because I'm not in LA and I don't have like, you know, a tight relationship with a lot of people out there. Like if I'm, if I'm doing something out here, and I ask a, a gaffer that is a regular gaffer to kind of help me on something else. Nine times out of 10, they'd be more willing to help me on just whatever it is, um, whatever mm. position. Um, but I feel like LA productions are weird sometimes. Um, the, the people are great. Um, and I've had some really amazing experiences, but I've also had some where some people are just maybe a little more lax, a little bit more, I don't want, I hate the word lazy. I don't want to use that because it sounds pretty bad, but like maybe a little bit. Mm. I feel like people on the East coast, like, especially when I work in New York, it's like people are hungry and like are working mm. like crazy. Um, but with that being said though, every, most of the experience experiences I've had in LA have been really pleasurable and, I enjoy working there, but I also enjoy the fact that I get to go home afterwards. Because um, I've, de I've debated <laughs> on, I think we've talked about it a couple times, but yeah. um, I've debated on moving there and I, I still debate it, but I, I don't know if it's the right move for me or not. I don't know. Mm. It's. I think it comes down to the people that you have on your set. And I think that that's why like, it's such a hard question for me to answer because mm. a lot of times I'm picking who who's coming on set. And I think that I have relatively good discernment when it comes to, okay, this person's going to work hard compared to someone who's just in it for the clout or for money. So I, I try to discern that ahead of time, like on the East coast or the West coast. Um, but I see what you're, I see what you mean. Do you I think feel in a lot of cases? No, keep go going, keep going. No. I was just going to say, I think in a lot of cases, too, some people are more willing to help. Like, I've found, like, on the East Coast, more people are willing to, like, help you and, like, put up their home and be like, yeah, like, go ahead and film. And they're, like, more excited about the fact that you're doing a project, whereas out mm. here, people are a little bit more, like whoop-de-doo like everybody else is trying to make a film like what makes yours so special like why would I help you and so that's that's a difference that's that I've found out here mm. yeah I, I agree it's just that there's so many productions everything's and it's expensive to do a production out there like rentals for a mm -hmm. location are crazy compared to here it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's too much. <laughs> it is. Um, I kind of want to know some, I want to maybe be able to provide a little insight to people that are listening that maybe want to kind of pursue producing or something like what kind of, what kind of tips do you have for somebody that are, that is, you know, maybe starting to become a producer um, in terms of organization and pre-production? Like what are some key things for you that um, are like, I always do this on every commercial or every project. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. As a producer, I think it's wise to talk and communicate, especially if I think the problem with some people is that they're afraid to admit that they don't know. Mm. And so they'll go forward with this, I don't know, this air of confidence that like, no, I know what I'm talking about when really like you just need a little help. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm kind of a, like, I'm also saying this to myself because like, <laughs> I know that I need more help than I like get. Um, but like not being afraid to ask for help and also finding a system that like works for you, finding a system that, is going to help you stay organized and on top of everything and researching, trying to discover, okay, like who has made these things and, and creating, like seeing what the production needs and creating something that helps it and facilitates it or finding something that has worked for other people and asking them, okay, hey, what have you used in the past for X, Y, and Z and 
can you help me with it? Or because this is such a people business, like they're people are helpful in many mm-hmm. ways. They're going to like give you the advice that you might need. Um, so asking for help is huge and finding a system. Mm-hmm. I think that that's important. I guess similar question for first AD too, because it's a totally different position. I think one of the hardest things that I've seen is like a first AD will be like, we're two minutes over time. You know more, no more. And then it'll be like, (laughs) one more shot, one more shot, one more shot. And then it's like, we're five minutes over time. Like, what is that? Like, Mm. can you talk to me about that? And like, how, how stern do you have to be as a first AD? And where do you draw the line between like the director? Like I need this one more shot versus no we have to move on right now? That's such a good question. Um, So I try to do things in pre-production and to communicate with the director and the DP about my expectations and their expectations, because I can go into this and not know, and then it kind of being a mess. And I think communication is like the biggest thing. It's so huge when it comes down to like what the needs are and how they can be fulfilled. As an AD, over time, I've learned that if I hover, like, I I generally don't do this anyways, but if you hover over somebody after telling them they have five minutes and you're standing there watching them, it's the same as, like, when a mother tells a child to do the dishes and then she stands and watches her child do the (laughs) dishes. Like, the child is going to, like, do it and, like, be, like, angry that, like, I was going to do the dishes anyways, but now that you told me and you're hovering over me, it's, like, making me more anxious. And so... Generally, I'll go in, I'll tell them, okay, listen, you have five minutes and then we have to be up and then I'll leave and then I'll come back and be like, all right, like I'm already getting people in place by the time, like before that time is up so that it's not just like, okay, wait a second. Like I didn't, I didn't realize five minutes have already gone. Um, I just communicate with people how much time they have. The other thing is I try to stand next to the monitor as much as possible so that I can see, okay, did they actually get the shot or did the actor kind of mess it up or something get bombed? Like, so that way I can also determine, okay, you did get the shot, but now you just want something that looks a little nicer or you really didn't get the shot. I can give you this, but just so that, you know, like director DP, like your time is just going to be pushed into something else. So if we can start yeah. thinking about what you're okay taking away, mm-hmm. then we could put more time into this. It's all about compromise. And so Definitely. like, I've learned, okay, like you've got this much time for these things. We can take out this much time. And I tried it. It's like, you have to just do it so quickly. Like it all happens so fast, but like the director has so much going on already that like, I'm trying not to add more stress onto them. For I'm sure. just trying to fulfill what they're looking for. So I always tell them in advance, I'm like, if we're running out of time, then it's probably just going to be pushed into something else, just as long as you know. So I try to communicate these things in advance so that they know and they have it in the back of their mind. And then I just remind them, usually on lunch breaks or like just before (laughs) lunch breaks, I'm like, just so you know, like, (laughs) yeah, this is where Um, we're headed. (laughs) No, definitely. Um, Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I guess similar to that is just like in pre-production scheduling. Because when you have a meeting with a DP and, you know, director about like how the schedule for the day is going to look, a lot of the times for me as a DP, I'm looking at things in terms of, okay, where is the sun going to be positioned at this time relative to what the scene calls mm-hmm. for? How much are we going to need for setup here? And then you as a, uh, you have to consider, oh, well, these actors are available at this time. The location is only allowing us this time over here. Like, what does the prioritization mm-hmm. look like? Uh, when creating a schedule um, in pre-production, because it's it's mayhem. <laughs> it's it is, and it's so rewarding. I mean, it because it's like a puzzle piece that you're putting together. I think it comes down to what's the most important, and that mm. is established by the director and the storyteller. So I'll ask, okay, is it more important that you have this location? And I'll go through the script with them. Like, we'll go through and look at, okay, this is daytime, this is nighttime. Okay, when do we want this? And so I'll kind of do a schedule first and get, like, a, a vague one. And then I'll kind of go through it with the the artist, the director. And just kind of show them, okay, this is where we're at. And then 
or the producer usually it's the producer but a lot of times i'm producing yeah. so like i'm <laughs> putting both hats on right now yeah. <laughs> um but i think it comes down to what's available and what you can do with what you have and if everything works out and hey you can have this location for as long as you want um or at any time then i talk to the dp and the director and the producers okay like this is what we can do at this location. And since we're inside, maybe we can create the lighting. This is how long it's going to take, or I'll try to be it all. It's just so like specific to the film. So it's so hard to answer because it depends yeah. on like the story and what they're looking for. And if we can, like what the location looks like, can we trick it? Like it's a day for night or a night for day. And all of those things, like, and how much is it going to take to set those things up? And do we have to keep rotating it if the camera is moving? And so I'm thinking about all those things. And it's so helpful as an AD to have a shot list. Like, mm -hmm. the shot list is what helps me to schedule. Because then I know, okay, we've got, they're looking at these different angles. And so I have to think about, okay, which direction are they going to face? And how much time is that going to take to light this? And then are they going to have to move the lighting? And if they move the lighting, how much, how much longer is that going to take? And so... I'm like, yeah. all of that I'm thinking about. <laughs> so it's it's fun, especially when it, like, works out. And if it doesn't, which not a lot of times it hasn't, like, I don't have many experiences where it hasn't worked out. But if it doesn't work out, there's always, like, like you just combine shots. A lot of times that's what ends up happening is there's so many shots on a shot list that like eventually you just have to be like, okay, let's combine these two and these are good. But like mm. Mm. you end up combining compromising, which is what yeah. it's about. As long as you're not compromising the story. Definitely. So I think the key takeaway there is like no matter what it is, story takes precedent over everything, really. Yes. All that to say. Yes, the story is important. <laughs> to, simpl to simplify all that you just said. <laughs> um, but in an instance where like, you know, a lot of the times the schedule that we create in pre-production works on the production day and everything goes smoothly. There are days where it does not go smoothly. Things go wrong. Um, there are hiccups and we're, you know, delayed on time and we're, we're backed up. How do you as a first AD handle pressure in a situation like that and keep calm because i've been in i've been on productions where they where we've been behind and the ad just gets not good like yells and just like mm. gets really frustrated and you know ner ner nervous because it's their job to keep stuff on schedule a lot of the time pretty much so how do you how do you keep calm in situations that might be tense and you know stressful that's such a good question i think as soon as you start raising the alarm and as soon as you start getting everybody else to be like, once your emotions of upset and hurt start coming out and you just start emotionally vomiting mm. is when you're starting to affect the rest of the crew and everybody sees it. And sometimes, most of the time, it's way bigger than you. Like... Your emotions are bigger than yourself. And when you just allow them to come out and affect everything, like, it's not fair. You're not looking at the bigger picture. So in those cases, it's like coming back down to the core team, which is why, like, pre-production is so important. It's so important to establish, okay, we're a team. And when things do hit the fan, because most of the times they do, like... We need to rely on each other. We have to be honest with each other and with ourselves. And we have to be able to go to the other person and be able to communicate. And we have to feel like we're being heard. Like, I can't say something to someone who's not going to listen to me. And if they don't listen to me, that's where it's like, okay, we're not being honest with each other. We're not communicating well. And so we need to get to the bottom of this before it bleeds out. Because... Mm -hmm. It's going to affect everybody else. Um, so in that case, I think it's like communicating and depending on how far gone the production has like gone, it's like <laughs> it all just depends on when you can like pull those people aside for a minute because everyone's just so like, we got to get this done. Like, but like mm. what's more important, just getting it done and dragging everybody through the shit or 
taking a second to breathe and mm-hmm. recentering yourself and your team and communicating, okay, like, I know things have gone well. It's like the pep talk. It's like the halftime. Like, yeah. you need to, like, bring the spirits up, like, bring everybody up and be like, okay, I know this is where we're at. Here's a, a resolution. Like, this is what we can do to make it better because, like, you have to think about that on the spot and you have to do it quickly. Mm. And if you don't fix it, other people are going to feel that and they're going to feel like, okay, I'm on a ship that I feel like is sinking and no one's doing anything about the holes that are allowing that water to come in. So it's like being able to see that and fixing it or the ship sinks. Beautiful answer. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, I have three more questions for you. The first one is, okay. What are some goals that you have that you want to accomplish this year in film? What do you look forward to this year? That's such a good, that's such a good question. Um, because I, because I run a business, I want to run it better. Like I want to have better systems in place. Um, because I'm looking at this, not just as a producer and an AD, I'm looking at this, like how I'm going to establish how I'm going to run this business even better. So like, conversations that I have with Dale are important. Um, and I know that he's been very busy, but these like establishing this is so important for growth. So I think that that's important first and foremost. Second, it's finding good, like I want to find good people to collaborate with and good scripts and stories Mm. to tell. I think as a producer, that's something that I'd like to get better at is finding good storytellers and people that I think that I would want to tell their story and be part of telling their story because you're putting in so much of your own resources to tell the story. Like you better love it, you know? Mm. Amazing. Next question is, do you have any advice for any, you know, younger filmmaker that maybe is in a small city that like Buffalo that maybe wants to pursue filmmaking, but maybe is afraid, um, what, what advice do you have for someone that wants to kind of join that community of filmmaking? Mm, that's such a good question. I would say just do it. Like, mm-hmm. just get it done. Do the legwork, do the prep work, and, like, commit the time. Like, it depends on what your role is. Say that, okay, I want to produce, but I don't have... Like, that's a great position to be in. Then you can find someone or make your own story and tell it. Or if you want to be... I think usually when you're in a small town, you have to be in a bigger position. Like, there aren't a lot of people who are going to take on, like, these little roles. So you have to find your people who are willing to, like, buy into your vision and what you believe in and to buy into you and who Mm -hmm. you are and to just get those things done to just like do it and you might I think it could sound discouraging when you go up to somebody and you're telling them your vision and it's so close to your heart but then people say no like Mm. you just have to get comfortable with hearing that word no like there are some people that won't want to invest in you they won't want to invest time or their money and that's okay it's just it just means that they're just not the right person for you in that moment which it you know it just leaves the door open for someone else to come in Mm. um so i think building and bringing people on and telling your vision not holding it too close to your chest but being able to like let it go and show people like this is my vision and not being afraid of people not liking it like being able to take criticism and hearing people is important amen amazing advice and to go on top of that no thing something that's really important to me and something i've realized is when you receive a no from somebody it's never never ever a hard fast no it's not like that person is going to say no Mm -hmm. to you forever you just never you didn't give that person a reason to say yes yet and that's just a matter of how much determination you have how much persistence you have and your willingness to get back on it and prove to that person that you are with, like you are deserving of that. Yes. Or not even that person in particular, but just never take no as a hard, fast, no, just keep working and keep striving to provide the best thing possible, whatever it is. Um, 
So that was, it's just a quick note on on that note thing. Yeah. Um, That's so good. Thanks. (laughs) The last question, this is my signature last question. Um, You are in school going to PR. You meet Dale. He asked you to be on that film and help you out. And that, that version of Melody is sitting at a coffee table, sitting, and then you currently walk over and sit right across from her. What advice would you give that younger version of you? Mm. Oh, That's a good question. I'd say find your voice and don't be afraid. Like you have something inside you, something very precious, like hold on to that. And dare to dream big. Like, mm. dream big and go for it. And trust in the people closest to you. And go for it. Just do it. But do it wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. Don't do it with this lukewarm mentality. Do it either super hot or don't do it at all. That would be my advice. Amazing. Great way to end. Um, so where can people find you? What's your social media stuff and your website? Whatever you want to share. Heck yeah. Um, Gosh. So you can go to Xylograph Films. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And Xylograph is X-Y-L-O graph, G-R-A-P-H, and then films. Um, We're on Instagram. I also have my personal account if you're interested in reaching out about production stuff or ADN stuff or moving out to California and that's Ann, A-N-N underscore Melanie. You can find me there. Ask me anything you want. Um, I'd be happy to help honestly, genuinely. Amazing. Well, thank you for joining me today and this was an amazing episode. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed today. Of course. Um, I will see you all next time. <laughs> Have a great day and Peace out. Musicbed has been my favorite resource for finding music for all of my videos. And now with my podcast, it has been my favorite place to find my intro and outro music. With over 40,000 curated songs available for licensing for any podcast, the music that they have on their roster will help elevate your story and whatever you're trying to share on your podcast. Finding music is also extremely easy with their browse and search tools. Use anything from genre mood to advanced filters like BPM and key. Playlists from your favorite creatives are also an amazing tool. Some of my favorite playlists include chill, hip hop, ambient, cinematic. These are just a few examples of some of the playlists that you can find. And if you still need help finding what you need, Musicbed's team can help you with their complimentary song searches. Hear the difference for yourself and sign up for a free account. Use the code CARLO at checkout and receive one month free when you purchase a podcast subscription. Thank you, Musicbed. So that's all we got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it beneficial and entertaining. I'd like to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform you're using. And as always, thanks again. See you next time.